Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. Good to be with you. I pray you had a wonderful weekend. And it's Our Lady of Guadalupe today, the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, who is the Lady of our religious community. And um, it's a very important day. I I wish somehow that she would appear uh, today, this day, to the Brazilian people and turn the situation around in Brazil that is very evil and is upon the people there. Um, They are electing a criminal as president, uh, someone who served many years in jail and I think has 17 years more to go. He is for abortion and for feminism and for every other evil against a good man. And it looks like the... Um, elections have been dishonestly drawn. I'm trying to say that nicely. Um, And it looks like he might get in. It looks like he might already have gotten in. Uh, Cardinal Raymond Leo Burke has uh, talked to the people of Brazil. Bishop Athanasius Snyder has spoken to them. We are all praying for them. We're praying rosaries for them and begging them to trust in our Lord, even if the Silva gets in. Our Lady will not abandon you. Um, I'm going to read um, even a portion of an email I received um, yesterday on this um, from a gentleman who's right in the midst of it, uh, requesting our help um, on yesterday, which was the uh, liturgical memorial day of the apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe to Juan Diego, um, not yesterday, but on the uh, uh, the ninth of December, he said re- he requests help for Catholic Brazil against the danger of the return of communism and the malign scourge of abortion with Lula da Silva as president. Um, so they will be, and it looks like the evil is winning, uh, uh, temporarily at least, in Brazil, and they will fall into the hands of communism. Um, it's a call for help for Catholic Brazil uh, to request for prayer and the help of God and Our Lady of Fatima and Our Lady of Guadalupe against the evil of Lula da Silva and the imminent approval of the horrendous crime of abortion in Brazil in 2023. And he writes, in a recent video conference, former Brazilian President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva assured ecologist and former priest Leonardo Boff that his political group, the Workers' Party, would not exist without controversial liberation theology. The meeting between Boff, whose work was condemned by the Holy See in the 1980s, and Lula da Silva, whose party institutionally supports the cause of feminism and abortion, was held on July 1 and is available on YouTube. Um, 
Boff said that the former president of Brazil, that's the Silva, who faces a sentence of 17 years and one month in prison for crimes of corruption and money laundering, is a political and religious leader. For his part, Lula da Silva assured that the party would not exist if it were not for liberation theology. The party would not exist as it does if it were, if it were not for the basic ecclesial communities. I, who have traveled all over Brazil to build this party, um, know the value of progressive a progressive priest. And the Brazilian said that this is the, from uh, the Silva, um, adding that the basic ecclesial communities did not join the party. Um, uh, there's just too much here. Um, Lula da Silva's political group recalls that it was the first party in Brazil to institutionalize the LGBT fight internally. He also points out that it was the first party to feature a gay candidate and a lesbian candidate. In other words, da Silva is boasting of all the evil that has won victory and exists in Brazil through his efforts and the efforts of his party. It's utterly evil. It's utterly evil. I'm trying to look up the news this morning. This isn't a news program, but these are our brothers and sisters in Brazil, in Brazil who have been, it's a Catholic country, and they are being taken over by communism and pure evil. I don't know if the results are finally in now. It's been, they're being fought, but I have an idea that just as in America, when our current president Biden got in uh, through much evil that was conducted, it looks like um, Lula da Silva is getting in in Brazil the same way. So I, I want to let the people of Brazil know, and Fabio Santos, who sent me this email, that we're with you, that we're praying for you, um, and pray to Our Lady of Guadalupe today and Our Lady of Fatima to protect the country of Brazil. And again, if uh, De Silva is officially in, uh, we understand a little of what you're going through because our current president, Biden, is leading our country, uh, the United States of America, into not just communism, but blatant, horrendous evil. Um, and so it, it looks like this is evil's day, but we need to remind everyone that our Lord said he is building his church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it, um, and neither will the gates of hell pre prevail against all of you faithful Catholics in Brazil. Um, I believe that our Lord and Our Lady is allowing this horrendous evil, forced abortions, um, just tremendous evil, uh, artificial intelligence, gender ideology, all of that, to destroy the family, to destroy the church, to destroy any uh, idea of God on the face of the earth. They cannot do it. It's impossible. But God is allowing evil to have its time. Um, uh, and I, I he works all things together for good, so I pray it's to the end that we redouble our efforts to love God, to live the faith, no matter the cost, no matter the persecution. 
never, ever, ever deny Christ. People of Brazil, you are God's people. Live the faith with all your hearts. Uh, I ask those in America and all over the world to do the same um, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Don't give in to the world. Don't give in to the evil. Live as God's people, even if he chooses that we should be martyrs in this evil, evil day. So we pray for you, and I ask all of our uh, listeners through the Station of the Cross, LifeSite News, and all over the world through local stations to pray for the people of Brazil and let God have his way in every heart, and especially for the conversion of Lua da Silva. Nothing's impossible for God. Okay, beloved. Um, I tell you, um, I want to find another an, another email um, that I received. It it will be um, uh, truly a counter to this. Um, no, no, it's not. I can't. I can't see it right now, but. You know, in the midst of this evil world, beloved, um, we are in Advent, and um, we are in the third week of Advent. Blessed be God. Uh, We still have freedom in America. We still have um, our faith. We still have our churches open. Um, Hold on a moment. I'm sorry. have the freedom to live our faith. I don't think it's going to last very long. But while we can, we need to live our faith at home. We need to teach our children. Um, Hold on now, I'm just... You know why I keep telling you, hold on, I'm looking for things and I'm not on my computer this morning. And so um, it is... um, I'm just trying to look for things that would normally be automatic. But I'm going to read, we're in the third Sunday of Advent, I'm going to read How We Should Be Living Advent, The Practice of Advent. This is by Dom Guéranger, written in 1910. Um, And he says, If our Holy Mother, the Church, spends the time of Advent in this solemn preparation for the threefold coming of Jesus Christ, if after the example of the prudent virgins she keeps her lamp lit ready for the coming of the bridegroom, we, being her members and her children, ought to enter into her spirit and apply to ourselves this warning of our Savior, who says, Let your loins be girt, and lamps burning in your hands, and ye yourselves be like unto men who wait for their Lord, end quote. There's the music for our first break, beloved. Advent is a mini Lent, it's so-called. It's a time of penance, of waiting for our Lord. And I would suggest that we offer these penances uh, in this day, especially for the people of Brazil who are suffering greatly. We'll be right back after the break, and we'll take your calls after the second break. Feel free to call in with anything on your heart, one 511 5483 or email at mother at 
thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support and may God bless you and your family. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto. The St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center, prays the Liturgy of the Hours each day, starting with the Office of Readings at 5.30 a.m. and ending with night prayer at 8 o'clock p.m. Nestled in a peaceful, rustic setting, it's the perfect place to converse with God and discern His will for your life. The St. Thomas More House of Prayer is open to the public and can be booked by individuals or groups for retreats. We're located at 365 Hill City Road in Cranberry, Pennsylvania. To book a visit or learn more, visit liturgyofthehours.org or call 814-676-1910. That's 814-676-1910. The Catholic Current, bringing Christ to the world and the world to Christ. And we see that spirit of that thing, you know, entering the church in a very specific way with St. Pius X back at the turn of the last century, and then on into the Second Vatican Council era, and the spirit of the council is the great coming out party of the modernist revolution, which has its roots in that same Enlightenment uh, philosophy of the the 18th century. The Catholic Current, 5 p.m. Eastern, from the Station of the Cross, and on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, We are uh, live on this third week of Advent. It's uh, yesterday was Laudate Laudate Sunday, rejoicing. And um, I started the program on a bit of a a downer note because of the situation in Brazil um, and uh, that uh, the uh, the evil, Da Silva, it looks like um, he is going to win, not through any um, um, proper voting situation. Um, he is an evil man. Um, he's a criminal. And it doesn't look like he has gotten in with a, a an honest vote. The people of Brazil are, are rebelling. Um, and we want to pray for them that... God's justice will be done. Uh, as I looked at the news this morning, I couldn't tell, but it looks like De Silva is in. Um, I'm, I'm looking at an article from October 31st, which says the Brazilian Bishops Conference congratulated Luiz Ignacio Lula de Silva for winning the nation's presidential election. 
but noted there was still much work ahead. That makes me physically ill, beloved. It's the same here when our USCCB congratulated President Biden and said nothing about his um, sacrilegious reception of communion. Uh, Our bishops have abandoned us, um, and they've abandoned the Brazilian people as well. Um, I'm sorry even to go back to that, but um, it's very difficult, but we need to forge ahead, beloved, and live our faith and not let the world be taken over by evil. If it will, it's God's doing that he allows it, but let it not be by our apathy or by our not living the faith or by our doing too little too late. Um, I still say, dear ones, were it not for Catholics not living their faith, this country would not be in the in the place it's in. Were the bishops, the USCCB, if they acted as true bishops of the Catholic Church, not giving in to the world, not supporting, aborting, uh, rather supporting, uh, I'm not speaking well, supporting abortion and condom, condoms all over the world, um, not supporting evil, we'd be in a different position. If Catholics lived their faith, we'd be in a different position. It's never too late, beloved. It's never too late. We are God's people. We are the ones who have failed. You could look at the evil in the world, but we are the ones that have received the grace of God through baptism and through the sacraments. We have a great, great responsibility to whom much is given, much is required. So, um, not to depress us, but let's, um, how do I say, determine um, to be God's army, to be soldiers of Christ, to march forward as of today, to live our faith and bring the whole truth to the whole world. It's typical that when evil begins to take over with evil laws and all of that, then we begin to fight. But if we lived our faith, we wouldn't be in the midst of these evil laws and evil days. We would be messengers of truth to the world. We would be counter-cultural. And I've said before, when we look out into our culture, you cannot separate Catholics from the rest of the world for the most part. You cannot. Same clothing, same restaurants, same, you know, you go into a restaurant on Sunday and if all the Catholics left, at least half the place would be empty. You go into shopping malls on Sunday, same thing. Divorce rates, abortion. Um, it, it's it's d- discouraging, I know. But we can live our faith as of today. As of today, beloved. How do you change a so-called Catholic husband who doesn't live the faith, who's not fervent the way you are? by changing yourself. Changing yourself. Be modest. Be a loving, lovely woman of God. Live your vocation as a loving wife, as a loving mother, as a woman of God. Don't tell your husband what to do. Don't criticize him in front of the children or speak about him to your friends. Walk before God as a holy woman of God and leave God to your husband. And when you live that life, and you're no longer a controlling, 
complaining about what he does or doesn't do, he will be transformed by the grace that God will bring him through you. The other way around, men, as well. If you are a Catholic man and your wife is not living a Catholic life as a holy Catholic woman, you lay down your life for her as Christ did the church. You be a holy man of God, a knight in shining armor to her, the head of the family who doesn't lord it over the family but takes up his responsibility of leading the family in prayer and helping to teach the children and loving your wife. Um, I want to read the practice of, of Advent to you as we started. Maybe we'll do that tomorrow. But I, um, I'm looking for an email that I received. I apologize. I keep doing this to you. Um, hold on a minute now. Um, I can't do this to you. I keep doing it. But an email that I received from um, a very, very special person who assists me. And she said, you're going to, you're going to love this. Um, and indeed, I have, and I did, and I want to read it to you. If I can't find it before our half-hour break, I'll find it during the break and read it to you. It's truly, truly lovely, and I can't get it. I'm so sorry for doing this to you. Um, let me go back to, um, let me go back to uh, the practice of Advent and continue to read that. We just have a few minutes until our break, and then we'll take your calls for the entire half hour, your calls and your texts um, and your emails. We can still take texts um, for a little while, but soon we will not be able to take your texts, but you could still message on Facebook during the program. The church and we have in reality, Dom Geringer says, the same hopes. Each one of us is on the part of God, an object of mercy and care, as is the church herself. If she is the temple of God, it is because she is built on living stones. If she is the bride, it is because she consists of all the souls which are invited to eternal union with God. If it is written that the Savior hath purchased the church with his own blood, may not each one of us say of himself those words of St. Paul, Christ hath loved me and hath delivered himself up for me? Our destiny being the same then as that of the church, we should endeavor during Advent to enter into the spirit of preparation, which is, as we have seen, that of the church herself. And finally, hold on now. I should say, firstly, it is our duty to join with the saints of the old law in asking for the Messiah and thus pay the debt which the whole human race owes, owes to the divine mercy. In order to fulfill this duty with fervor, let us go back in thought to those 4,000 years represented by the four weeks of Advent and reflect on the darkness and crime which filled the world before our Savior's coming. Let our hearts be filled with lively gratitude toward him who saved his creature man from death and who came down from heaven 
that he might know our miseries by himself experiencing them, all of them accepting sin. Let us cry to him with confidence from the depths of our misery, for notwithstanding his having saved the work of his hands, he still wishes us to beseech him to save us. Let, therefore, our desires and our confidence have their free utterance in the ardent supplications of the ancient prophets, which the church puts on our lips during these days of expectation. Let us give our closest attention to the sentiments which they express. This first duty compiled, this first duty complied with, we must next turn our minds to the coming which our Savior wishes to accomplish in our own hearts, beloved. It is, as we've seen, a coming full of sweetness and mystery and a consequence of the first. For the Good Shepherd comes not only to visit the flock in general, but he extends his solicitude to each one of the sheep, even to the hundreds which is lost. The hundredth one, singular, which is lost. Now, in order to appreciate the whole of this ineffable mystery, we must remember that since we can be pleasing to our Heavenly Father only inasmuch as he sees within us his Son, Jesus Christ, this amiable Savior deigns to come into each one of us and transform us, if we will but consent into himself, so that henceforth we may live, not we, but he in us, This is, in reality, the one grand aim of the Christian religion, to make man divine through Jesus Christ. It is the task which God has given to his church to do. And she says to the faithful what St. Paul said to his Galatians, quote, My little children, of whom I am in labor again until Christ be formed within you. But as on his entering into the world, our divine Savior first showed himself under the form of a weak babe before attaining the fullness of the age of manhood, and this to the end that nothing might be wanting to his sacrifice, so does he intend to do in us. There is to be a progress in his growth within us. Now it is the feast of Christmas that he delights to be born in our souls. And what he pours, and that he pours out over the whole church, a grace of being born, to which, however, not all are faithful. For this glorious solemnity, as often as it comes around, finds three classes of men. The first and the smallest number are those who live in all its plenitude, the life of Jesus, who is within them, and aspire incessantly after the increase of this life. The second class of souls is more numerous. They are living, it is true, because Jesus is in them, but they are sick and weakly because they care not to grow in this divine life. Their charity has become cold. The rest of men make up the third division and are they that have no part of this life in them and are dead. For Christ has said, I am the life. Beloved, if you are not in Christ, if you are not one of his sheep, you are dead. You are spiritually dead. A dead person 
can't respond to life. He doesn't know he's dead, but he's dead nonetheless. There's the music for our second break. Beloved, we'll be right back to take your calls and your emails. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for December 12th. Today we celebrate Our Lady of Guadalupe. In 1531, a 57-year-old Indian named Juan Diego reported an apparition of Mary. As he was walking to Mass outside Mexico City one Saturday morning, he passed by a hill called Tepeyac. Hearing beautiful music, he looked up and saw a radiant cloud. Within the cloud was an Indian maiden dressed like an Aztec princess. Speaking in his own language, she sent him to the Bishop of Mexico with the request that the bishop build a chapel in the place where she had appeared. The bishop demanded that Juan's lady send him a sign, which she did in the form of roses in December, that Juan would carry to the bishop in his cloak. When Juan opened his cloak in the bishop's presence, the roses dropped to the floor, revealing an image of the maiden as she appeared on Tepeyac Hill. Within two years, that chapel was built. Over 12 million pilgrims visit the shrine and basilica to Our Lady of Guadalupe each year. In 1910, Our Lady of Guadalupe was named Patroness of Latin America, and in 1945, Pope Pius XII entrusted all the Americas to her care. The new Saint of the Day app is available now for your smartphone or tablet. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. I turned from a recreational drug user to a drug addict. That took me to my knees. I lost a family, almost two families. I lost friends. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. I love it. My heart's there. I took communion after 18 years, and I, the rest of the Mass I sat and cried. God restored my life. God restored my family. God restored my love. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are live today and uh, thrilled to be with you. And it's the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Very, very, very beautiful and special feast day. If you don't know her story, you should look that up. Um, utterly miraculous. Um, uh, she has been a protector. She's not only the lady of our uh, religious community, Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, um, but she, uh, we have a life-size, life-size framed picture of her that was given to us as a gift. And um, she has literally protected us in spiritual warfare. And I'll tell you, from my point of view, there's something alive in that image. She is alive. And... Um, it's a, ma- it's a miraculous, magnificent story. And the only image of Our Lady that heaven has painted, no human being has painted or photographed her. Heaven did. Um, most unique in the world. And when she came to the Aztecs in 1531 to a uh, heathen people, 
um, uh, nine million were converted, and she is continuing to convert millions of people today. I invite you to call in with anything on your heart for the rest of this half hour, dear ones. Uh, toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. Uh, let me just see something. Um, you can continue to text uh, until about mid January, um, and your calls, your emails. Um, the social media, your messages on Facebook, all of that will remain. But as of January 24th, um, you won't be able to text in, but you'll be able to reach us in every other way. So, and you can today and call in as well. Um, we have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Dear Mother Miriam, <clears throat> I think I just began this on Friday and we didn't have time to read it. Um, she writes, a Dear Mother Miriam, thank you very much for all that you do. I have a question regarding my husband. I was a practicing Catholic and fell away and have returned in the last three years. Blessed be God for that. I lost my mother at 18, and when I was dating my husband at 25, I stopped going to confessions. This started my downward spiral of doubt and sin. Outwardly, I was still Christian but inwardly I was in a crisis. This continued until very recently when I went back to confessions and returned wholeheartedly to church and her teaching. Well, again, I bless God for the grace he has accorded you to return to the church and her teaching. She continues, after a very tumultuous time during the lockdowns, I pulled my children out of public schools. I heard them teach terrible things online, and I was appalled. I take full blame for not knowing what was being taught. My eldest daughter was having panic attacks, and I felt the full effect of my wishy-washy behavior in years past. I moved my children out of public school without my husband's permission. He was incredibly angry with me. He is a good husband, but does not understand the effect of the education system at all. Well, Stop right there, of course. They're not just your children, they're his children. And yes, you should have discussed that with him beforehand. She writes, I have put them in a school which follows the magisterium of the Catholic Church. They attend Mass and have Eucharistic adoration. They are much happier now. I switched parishes to one that was not woke, and I have introduced the catechism, and I am trying very hard to teach what I had not in my children's young years. They always attended faith formation in our parish, but they did not seem to know anything. I am also reviewing um, the catechism and doing Bible in a Year with Father Mike, so I'm more knowledgeable, even though I went to 12 years of Catholic school. Now, I go to First Friday and Saturday and pray the rosary daily. We go to church every week and confessions every other week if possible. The changes in my home are remarkable, even though they came with strife and intense suffering. I was browbeaten through the pandemic to get a shot and did not. My children are doing well in school and are healthy and happy despite challenges from time to time. 
Although my husband was not supportive initially with all these changes and was very hard on me, he attends church with us for the children's sake. I also begged on my knees for him to not get a booster, and he listened, but it has come with so much suffering. However, recently he calls the church teachings mythology when the children are not around and has expressed a desire to tell the children about his atheism, even though he has no basis in understanding about the belief system that he has. He asked me a while back when I demanded changes from him if I wanted a good marriage or his salvation. I said his salvation, the marriage will follow. Is that If that is achieved, I said, oh dear. He had an unusual childhood. Both parents worked. He was left to his own devices, mostly. Left home for college at 16 and was sent to a premier public pagan school, K-12, through even though his parents were Christians in India. With regards to my husband, I know that the children realize that he is an atheist, but we do not discuss it, and we pray before meals, and I encourage him to be respectful of our Catholicism. He would like to talk to the children more about his belief system, even though he has none, and I have forbidden it. I told him that he would do irreparable damage to our youngest child, who is eight years old, and that the older children will likely lose respect for him. I do not know if this is a good approach. I have tried every way that I can to encourage him to ask questions and have met with a priest, and unfortunately the priest told me that we must agree to disagree. And the priest said that he is not a missionary and he cannot pursue my husband. Oh my goodness, what priest is that? Every priest is a missionary. Every priest is to be Christ to the world. Christ is the missionary who came from heaven to save the whole world. How on earth does a priest have such a perspective? He cannot pursue, he must pursue your husband. He must pursue every lost sheep or help him along a righteous path. She says, I understand what the priest said. I don't. And my husband brings that up a lot. Shame on that priest. But I do not want my husband to go to hell. I realize I have made many mistakes, but I want to do better. And I want to repair the damage that I have done. I also want to treat my children as they are gifts from God. And I want to do everything in my power to raise them well so that they pick good and faithful husbands who are Catholic if that is their vocation. Please let me know your thoughts. Please pray for my family. And I would like to keep this letter anonymous. Thank you and God bless you and your ministry. Words cannot express my gratitude. You keep me going. Thank you again. Well, I tell you, in the midst of your situation, dear one, I'm personally enormously grateful that you have been able to put your children in a good Catholic school and find a good Catholic church and live, teach them Catholic principles and live a Catholic life and that they've responded so well. Uh, that's a bit miraculous in your situation. And I, I bless God for his grace poured out on you. We love because he first loved us. And 
if God will pour the same grace on your husband, his grace, as he has so far, thus far, poured it out on you and your children. It is going to be through your love. Um, be soft and... Um, I'm looking back to see your words. If you cannot forbid him to do anything, you cannot order or forbid your husband. He's not a child of yours. He's the man you are married to as the head of the home. You are to be the heart of the home, not the head, the heart of the home. Whatever you do, do in love. Whatever you do, do in love. Speak to your husband in love. And if he wants to share his atheism with your children, you can say to him, sweetheart, you're their dad. Um, you have enormous influence on them. Uh, think about the consequences of what you might be doing. There are millions of parents who would give their right arms for their children to believe as your children believe in God and the church he established. I know you don't agree with that, but they do. If you interfere with that and you try to convince them that there's no God or even give them your beliefs with whatever reasons you have, you're free to do that. But you will be accountable to God, dear one. You will be accountable to God if you destroy their faith. Um, and um, they may follow you. They may follow you into atheism. You may, you may succeed in having them question if God exists, but you will be enormously accountable to God. And if they stand strong in the faith that they have, um, you may, they may lose respect for you, honey. They may not understand how a dad who gave birth to them, who's so wonderful, so intelligent, so capable, cannot believe in the God who gave him all these gifts. So what I suggest to you is soften yourself with him. Um, be a lovely wife and speak to him tenderly and loving him, lovingly with the love of God. Do that. And let God bring him around through your love. Um, we have an email from Alice who says, Hello, Mother. I'm very grateful for your program and glad that you give clear Catholic advice to your listeners. Thank you, Alice. My problem, she writes, is that I have trouble dealing with my husband's anger. Well, I don't blame you. There's not one of us that doesn't have trouble dealing with anger. I never know what will anger him next. Most of my life, she says, revolves around trying not to make him angry, and I live with a feeling of constant dread. It is a long-standing issue and affects my health. We are both devout Catholics and have no children. There's no physical violence. I have a tendency to depression, and his anger makes me feel very depressed and hopeless. I know of a good counselor who can counsel by phone, but I am never alone to have a private conversation. I'm not able to go out to see a counselor. I do take medication, but cannot increase it due to side effects. I do not have family or friends to talk to. I do pray about this every day. I have trouble functioning due to my depression. 
I appreciate any advice you can give me. May God bless you always, Alice. Alice, dear one, I'm so sorry. That's an awful situation for you to live in. I don't know enough about your life. Uh, are you both older and retired at home that you don't go out to work or you have no privacy or you have no time alone apart from your husband? Can you not take a walk in the street with a cell phone and call a friend or a counselor at that time? So I don't know why you feel like you're in such a prison or why you might be in that kind of prison that you can't get away. Um, but your husband is, is mentally ill. And um, I'm going to give you a, a suggestion or two when we come back from the break, Alice. Um, don't go away. And when we come back from the break, beloved, we'll have 10 minutes. Um, and you may call in during that time with anything on your heart, toll free, one 511 5483 Excuse me, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. beloved, this is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTagg discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. listening to the station of the cross on your car radio but sometimes find yourself driving outside the listening area never miss another minute of your favorite show download the iCatholic radio app so you can listen anywhere in the world 24 hours a day the iCatholic radio app is available for your phone in the apple store or for your android phone in google play visit the station of the for more information the Station of the Cross is listener-funded, and we value your ongoing generosity. In this fast-paced world, it's easy to let your recurring donation slip due to something like a new address or a card number change. If you suspect that we might not have your up-to-date donor information, you can check with us during regular business hours at 1-877-888-6279, extension 104, or anytime online at thestationofthecross.com. Keep up to date with the shows we bring you each day on the Station of the Cross by viewing our programming grid on our website, thestationofthecross.com, and on our iCatholic Radio app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are live, and this is our last segment um, we have 10 minutes, and again, you're welcome to call in 
with anything on your heart, toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at com. We are in the midst of an email by Alice who lives with her, the, she said she and her husband are devout Catholics, but he is um, extremely anger, angry all the time. And she says, I, I never know what will anger him next. Most of my life revolves around trying to make, around trying not to make him angry, and I live with a feeling of constant dread. It's a long standing issue that affects my health. Um, There's no physical violence, but it's giving her depression, lack of hope. Don't go that far, Alice. Um, To lack hope is a very serious sin, because to lack hope is to lack faith in God. It's to deny God. As long as you believe God exists, there is hope. So don't go so far as to lack hope. God is the God of the impossible. Um, and again, I said before the break, I don't know why you're not go, uh, able to go out to see a counselor or speak on the phone to friends, or I don't know why. Um, if you're a prisoner in your own home, I doubt that. I would, you know, I, I'm thinking if you um, just go outside by yourself to take a walk and take your cell phone, go to a park and call a friend. I don't know why you are living in what seems like such a prison. But um, you must not take your husband's anger personally. You must not measure your worth by that. Your husband is ill this way. A man who is always angry like that, um, where you never know what's going to trigger him next, and you live in fear, is mentally ill to some degree, to some degree. I mean, our physical body, when we get little colds, it's not a bad thing, but we're sick. And if we get seriously ill, we're more sick. The same thing with the mind. Someone who is angry all the time and anything's going to set him off is ill um, and, um, um, and, and needs help. He may need medication uh, or, or counseling or psychological help, but understand that you have a husband who's who's mentally ill and if he were physically ill if he had cancer or he had some other disease um you would you would have uh, sympathy for him you'd have compassion for him you'd say well i nobody has cancer he's this well you need to see his mental illness the same way he is ill and he needs to get help if he does not recognize that he has a, a psychological problem, a mental problem, and he will not get help, then you just need to see that God has given you a husband who is ill. And uh, it's not to reflect on you. It is that God is going to, um, let me just say in his grace, help you to not take it personally, to be as compassionate with his anger not afraid of it. If he had uh, cancer or any other disease, you wouldn't be afraid of it. Um, You would know that he has no control of it. Well, he has no control over his anger. He should do something about it. Uh, He should at least admit it, but he doesn't. So he has no control of it. Look at it as a sickness and be compassionate to him. So when he gets angry, instead of your being fearful, Think of it as cancer. Uh, 
and, and understand he doesn't have that control and just be loving. Say, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. Whatever set you off, I am so sorry, sweetheart, um, for what I said or for what angered you, for whatever it is. I'm so, just be loving toward him. Don't be a victim. If you can turn it around, if you remain a victim, you are feeding that anger. But if you can turn it around and see him as being ill and uh, just treat him with love and compassion, um, you might be able to help him also be cured through love. Okay. Um, We have an email from somebody who writes in anonymously and says, Hi, Mother. If I know through secondhand information that a person has committed a mortal sin. Well, number one, you should never know that. It's nobody's business to tell you that anybody has committed a mortal sin. You should not know that. Excuse me. That's gossip. And gossip is on the level of slander and murder. Hold on a moment. Nonetheless, this person says, if I know through secondhand information that a person has committed a mortal sin, you can never know that. You can never trust secondhand information. You shouldn't even listen to secondhand information. Nor can you judge mortal sin. Someone may have committed a grave sin, but grave sin is not mortal unless the person who commits the grave sin knows that it would separate him or her from God. And... and acts upon it freely, not forced, not out of fear, and does it anyway. Well, you cannot know that. So, again, I'll, I'll read the sentence from the beginning. If I know through secondhand information that a person has committed a mortal sin, and that person says in front of me that they were absolved by a priest, knowing that they have that mortal sin without being specific about that sin to the priest... And I have explained to them what is needed for a good confession. How should I, how or should I continue to help them go back to confession for that sin? Um, I think you should stay out of it. Um, you're saying that you know this through secondhand information. Uh, it's not your business. Um, I don't know who this person is to you, but... Um, You've explained to them what's needed for a good confession. Um, you need to leave them in God's hands. I think you you need more than that. If they're if they are uh, your relative or your best friend or you're very close to them, you care about their soul, then you need to go to them and confess that you've been told, not by whom but you've been told that they have committed a very grave sin and they haven't fully confessed that sin in confession. Um, And you must say to them, you must apologize and say, I have no idea that this is correct. Whoever told me had no business telling me, but I'm coming to you because I love you and I care for your soul. Is there any way I can help you with this situation? Can I help clarify it? Um, if you want me to stay out of it, I will. So see if you could be helpful to that person. But no one could make that judgment for another person's soul. Um, um, many people say they've committed mortal sin, 
But we cannot know that. We can know that someone's committed grave sin. Someone's committed murder. Do we know they've committed mortal sin? We do not. We don't know not. It depends on the person. The circumstance, uh, whether they were drugged or not. I mean, it could be all kinds of situations. I'm not excusing grave sin. Whether we know it or not, whether we will it or not, sin is sin. And it's just as grave. But its application to us, whether it's mortal, meaning whether it causes the death of our soul in God, whether it separates us from God, which is what mortal means, that we don't always know. We need to tell people. We need to warn them. And we need to tell them that if they've committed a grave sin, whether they've, let's say, they've cohabitated, and they call themselves Catholic, and we, we must tell them that it is a grave sin. And if they say, well, I didn't know, we say, well, okay, go to confession for it. You didn't know. But if you do it again, now you do know, and now you will be accountable. And if you do it again, it will be mortal to your soul. And if you die in that state, you will be in hell. We need to teach people, but we, we have to be careful about judging in advance what the state of their soul is. We need to help them. Uh, God bless you, beloved, and we'll be with you tomorrow, God willing.